expanding the Nerdosphere, talking on everything you want to hear. From comics to cosplay, from the cinematic universe to fan films and everything in between. It's time to get down and nerdy. Here are your hosts, James Witham and Nick Pataglia. Yep, you found us, episode 96 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. And I don't know about you, man, but we've had a busy week and I am exhausted. Yeah, I mean, for those of you who, of course, didn't know, we actually had a interview with, of course, Sierra and A earlier in the week for Legends of Tomorrow, which, of course, premiered on the CW Thursday. And, man, that was an awesome, awesome interview. It really was. And now you're probably thinking, hey, well, it wasn't part of one of your normal episodes. Well, every now and then, special circumstances, we do a special edition. Of course, we did it with Katrina Law when we were promoing the uh, season finale of Arrow last season. So we decided to do a special edition. We, of course, David Sobolov before San Diego Comic-Con. And now, hey, Legends of Tomorrow. So if you think about it, we kind of went in order with the special editions. First Arrow, then The Flash, then Legends of Tomorrow. Oh my god, you're correct. (laughs) (laughs) Totally didn't do that on purpose, but it sort of worked out. And I mean, we enjoyed the pilot very much. We'll actually be reviewing that next week because, Nick, this week we're going to be talking about Agent Carter because last week we actually talked to Wynn Everett, who is Madame Mask on Agent Carter. Yeah, man. I mean, to talk about, you know, her days at Auburn and just her saying, you know, this was like the first show with special effects she's been on. So she's like, you know, yeah, there's a scene. It's like two minutes. But it takes seven hours yeah. to come together because of all the effects. I mean, that was one of the things I loved about the interview, too, because it's very eye-opening in that regard that, you know, you don't necessarily think that something that takes that short amount of time takes that long, and it's really eye-opening. I think it kind of, as I would say an average viewer, kind of makes you appreciate it even more, what they're doing to put this stuff together for us nerds. Oh, exactly, man, exactly. I mean, you know, the whole, you know, the whole thing with, with the moving to California and just the whole set design in the 1940s, it's a lot of stuff they had to do. And I think that, you know, this season going forward, it's going to be very, I think things, the stakes are going to be raised a little bit higher. And again, it's going to be nice to see how the season progresses and everything because it looks like to be just a, a promising kind of building on, you know, like we said, we, last season we won the whole when shield we made now we might kind of get that but you know it's still in the early stages so we'll see as the season progresses i mean i think they're kind of in a way and i mean we'll get into this when we do the when we do the review of the season two premiere coming up in this week in geek tame it but it's almost like it would be easy for them to go that route i think they're maybe they're challenging themselves a little bit to do something a little bit different so like you said we'll see how things are going to progress and we've got yet another special guest on the show this week that's right. Of course, if you're seeing the title of the podcast, you know exactly who it is. Oh, yeah, that, that kind of helps. <laughs> yeah, that kind of helps right us. There. We kind of got the whole thing of like, you know, a little bit behind the curtain. We're like, yeah, we can't wait to tease. Oh, we have a special guest, but we're not going to say who it is because odds are if you see the title of the show, you know who it is. My guess is if you can read, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> if you can read, you're good. But uh, that's going to do it for our intro. We'll come next, we have two brand new comics we'll be talking about this week. So stay tuned. What ring is coming up next right here on Down Nerdy? Hi, this is Tierra Nay, and I play Hawk Girl on DC's Legends of Tomorrow, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Well, it's that time, nerds. We pull our long boxes and grab a couple comics for us to review because, of course, it's time, as always, for what we're reading. And it's always brought to you by the fine folks over at Fantasy Escape Comics and Cards at Aragorn Boulevard in Virginia Beach. Go see Bob and all the great things he has for yourself and the nerds that you love and James. I will let you go this week. You kind of let out your inner botanist, I'll say, this week. Yeah, and i got to tell you, I've been excited about this one for a while. I know I did a DC book last week, but I couldn't resist doing Poison Ivy and the Cycle of Life and Death, which is going to be a limited six-part series. It's written by Amy Chu, pencils by Clay Mann, inks by Seth Mann, which is, also, which is pretty cool, colors by Ulysses Ariola, and letters by Janice Chung. Now, here's the thing I love about this comic. It's very easy you hear Poison Ivy to, you know, kind of put her in her villainous role and have her go out on some sort of a, you know, a, a crime wave or something like that. It's exactly the opposite of that. She's actually trying to go absolute legit. And she's trying to make a life for herself, like you said, as a botanist and a scientist. So I actually thought that, that was a pretty cool angle. It actually opens up with her finding a very rare plant. And it turns out, She's got a job at the Gotham Botanical Gardens, fittingly enough. And 
it's just the whole vibe of this book. It's almost like she's she's grown up, she's matured. Not that she was young before, but it's like she's very much agitated by her past life, which I think is really interesting way to go. And I like that, you know, because I read I read the book as well, and I like the fact that it's not really where she's haunted by a past thing because we've seen that being played out on many comics a lot yeah. of times. But it's more like she's trying to say, you know, I'm trying to go legit. Like, there's a moment where – can we say who makes an appearance in this book? Uh, yeah, because I think it's kind of obvious. So Harley Quinn makes an appearance, and there comes a point where, uh, you know, Ivy's pretty much telling her, like, I'm trying to go legit, and, you know, we can't be doing this kinds of things. And, you know, in terms of just, like, going to bars and getting fights and doing all that crazy shit, you know, it's, and I like that, you know? Well, I mean, it's, it's she's just basically – like you said, it's not that she's haunted by her past – She's annoyed by her past because she so much wants to be. And there's there's a scene where she's talking about having a new life and trying to put herself back together. And there was actually somebody that gave her the job at the lab that kind of gave her a chance sort of thing. And she's really, really, really trying to make an effort to be a different person now. Of course, it's comics. So <laughs> you don't necessarily get afford, afforded that opportunity that easily. So something happens at the end. That will definitely change the story going forward. I'm not sure if this will push her in one direction or the other, but and I don't want to spoil it, so we'll see exactly how this affects her going forward in this limited series. But I think, first of all, it's about time the Poison Ivy got her own book. I think she's been one of those characters that's always been very popular, but never been shoved to the forefront like uh, like Harley Quinn was, and they kind of put them have they put them together in books before is kind of like a buddy thing, but this is really shining the spotlight on not just Poison Ivy, but Pamela Isley as well, which I think is really neat. And the art, man, let me tell you, I mean, you saw it. The art by man and man are, is phenomenal. The pencils and the inks are great. Very, very detailed, especially in the certain, can I say sensual scenes? Cause there's yeah. a little bit of sexuality in here. It is Poison Ivy comic after all. It's not over the top or anything. But it is there. I mean, the detail is just great. I think that if you're going to do a Poison Ivy comic, this was the way to do it. They did it right. Man, this is a pull for me. And I, and I kind of, part of me is like, I think it's good that it's a limited series. Because, you know, you don't want to drag it out. And the part of me is like, ah, I can't believe this is a limited series. Because, I mean, it just feels like it could be an ongoing if it wanted to be. Yeah, man. I mean, it, 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 and that's the thing. is that, But maybe, who knows? You know, you say it could be an ongoing. Here's the thing. What if... You know, we see did DC's doing a lot of like six part runs, four part runs, and yeah. so on and so forth. What if this is a g- smart way for them to test the waters? And say, okay, if Poison Ivy sells well, we'll give her an ongoing series. It's just a matter of they knew Harley Quinn was gonna be popular because it's Harley Quinn, right? And I'm not saying Poison Ivy's not popular, but she's. I don't think I think she, Harley Quinn's one. I think she's more like one B, one you know around there, like one A. So they're still trying to like test the waters with right. Ivy. But, uh, again, I think this is a great way for DC to test the water to see if she deserves an ongoing series. Well, think about this, too. Remember when we talked to Chad Harden, who's the artist on the Harley Quinn series uh, several months ago, and he even said that DC did not think that that book would sell as well as it did, and it did, so maybe this is going to be another one of those instances. Now, I'm also okay, by the way, if they want to do a six-part series take a short break, kind of like some of the other publishers do, do a six-part series, take a little bit of a break, and then bring it back for a second volume of the six-part series. I'd be okay with that, too. If you want to go that route, I think that would be really neat. You know, kind of like they do with TV. You take that mid-season break, and then you come back with your mid-season premiere kind of thing. I I think that would be cool. Yeah, that'd be really, really cool. That would be pretty awesome. But speaking of things that, well, they're new, but I would say... (sighs) It's gonna be hard for me to review this comic, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because <laughs> this is not a good start. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, first of all, let me tell you what it is. It's Valiant's Faith Number One. Now, this is a four-part series. Of course, Jody Hauser is the writer, and Francis Portella is the artist. Now, here's the thing: I had high hopes for this book coming into it because I read Harbinger, I liked Harbinger, and it's Valiant. You know, everything we review from Valiant has been pretty amazing. Yeah, and it's true. been really good. You know, Exo Mana War, Bloodshot, Ninjack, all that great stuff. You know, Book of Death, great stuff. Here's the problem with Faith is that I know you're going to see on, the, on the, the internet people saying, oh my God, it's amazing. And listen, Faith is doing a good thing for body image because this is the first time we've really seen somebody who is a, you know, very heavy set. Plus size, yeah. Be a I hero. Would say that. Yeah. You know, who's who's heavy? You know, in a in a positive way. 
However, they do nothing with it. They they do it where she's you know not with the Renegades anymore. She's again doing her own thing. She's trying to live her own life, kind of thing. And it's just it's boring. Like it's just her day to day. We don't really do her see her get to really see her do anything towards like the huh. final couple of pages. And it's just her living her day to day life. This just like, reminds me of when George Costanza's pitching the series to NBC on Seinfeld, and he's like, you know, you go to work. You get some coffee, you read. <laughs> you know, you go to work, you get some coffee, you know. <laughs> you read on the show? Well, yeah. yeah. Yes, you read on the show. No, you don't. So it, it, when you said that, it just reminded me of that. <laughs> she's just going about her day-to-day. And you that's know? she works. she's working for like this very like journalistic TMZ-ish company. And uh, they try to inject comedy in here, but here's the problem. The comedy is very stale. It doesn't hit. It's not funny. I didn't laugh. It's very Three's Company. It's very like, oh, here's this. Looks like it's not this. Laugh track, <laughs> laugh track, laugh track. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you can fall flat. And the thing is that this book has so much promise. And I think it is, I don't know. I, and this is, this is a, a serious question. Are people giving this book such great response because of who, what the character is? Where it's a, it's a woman who we don't see a lot of in comics in terms of her shape and are trying not to make this a negative thing. That's what I've been seeing. It's just, well, oh, she's great this. And they don't do anything for her in terms of her size. You know, they don't do anything. They don't show her really kicking ass, really doing anything. They show her going to this puppy counter or whatever like that and saving these dogs. But other than that, it's like, it's just go to work. You sit and, and, and sit on Skype with a friend and talk about certain movies and then Whatever. And, oh, that's going to interject a small thing with this. Now, I don't want it to be where it's like, oh, she can't do this because she's overweight or whatever like that. But I don't – but I see what you're trying pers- to say. She has no personality. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And I think that the praise that you've seen early on for this, I think that it's the, – the praise for doing – something that hasn't been done and probably should have been done by now is being deflected onto the book and giving people the impression that maybe the comic is good, but maybe they're praising more the idea and the reasoning behind it than they are the actual book. Now I haven't read it, so I can't say for sure. And I know you'll give your rating here in a minute. So I can't give you my full opinion on it because I haven't read it yet, but that could be what you're seeing. And I'm sure there's some people that would enjoy this, but but I think the people that would enjoy this, maybe if you're, like I said, I didn't read all of Harbinger, I read a good amount of it. I think maybe if you read those, like the whole series, maybe you may get a little bit more of an understanding. But in a sense, like I said, you're you're doing this big kind of launch for this character and trying to set her off in her own world, but you do nothing with her. And she's very bland and her life is very boring. And it's just, it's, it's not, I mean, there's like some... Uh, these twins pretty much, but you don't know much about them. And so it's kind of like that mystery with with she meets them and stuff like that. And it's, but again, it's just, there's a lot of questions and there's just the story just fell drag. Like, I'm sorry, but I had to literally force myself to get through this book when I was reading it. Yeah, that's not good. And, you know, and, and there's a, there's a term I like to, I want to coin it called panel jumping when you're like, Okay, there's a good amount of dialogue here. I'm gonna skip part of it, jump to the panel, pa- jump to the panels, and just and I was trying to stop myself from doing that. Yeah. And but I'm like, oh, okay, there's a lot of dialogue here. It's all over the place. I'm gonna go to this next panel. It just the story's just and it's a four part series. And that's the problem. That's the one thing I I I fear for this the series. That's four parts, and so. It's like, you can't drag your feet. It's four no, parts. That was a good thing they did about Book of Death that Valiant did. Issue one, they just punched you in the mouth. And it was like, okay, this is awesome. I need to have issue two. And when you're doing a limited series, you better do that. Yeah. But for me, man, this whole series, like I said, the, the comedy, it, it's stale. It's old. It doesn't work. The character, they do nothing really with her. They don't give her any really characteristics. Uh, they don't give her personality per se, and it, it's just uh, again, it's it's. I didn't like it at all. I I, I this is a drop for me, and it's wow. it's hard it's hard to say because you know I love Valiant and Valiant's done great work, but I when I find myself forced having to to, to push myself and power myself through a, a comic and through twenty five pages of story. I'm sorry. I can't say, oh, this is a pickup because some people might like it. 
you know, know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say this for you because you're not gonna say this, but I'm gonna say this for you. If you're listening to this review right now and you think about going and bashing Nick on Twitter, listen. He doesn't like the comic, the story. He doesn't necessarily say that this isn't, you know, plus size people shouldn't be in comics. Oh. And but that is not what he's saying. What he's saying is he didn't like the story. He didn't like what they did with the character. That's why he didn't like the comic. I, I just feel like, like we need to make that clear. Yeah, well, because I, I don't well, want you to we, get bombed on Twitter for no reason. Well, we said when this when the series was first announced, we said we're excited for it. You yes, know, great. Like, like, hey, we owe more inclusion in comics. You know, hey, woman who is. You know, we don't see, you know, heavyset people as be superheroes. I mean, really, the only person that's really heavyset that I can think of right now is Blob. And that's, a, you know, to, to, to not going to be, I'm not going to go this route, really. But I, I have to say it, you know, the only really portrayal we see of really heavyset people in comics is of a negative or a villainous type. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, 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 and it's kind of pushing a little bit of a stereotype as well. With this, it's like, okay, you're doing something positive with it. But you're doing nothing with it at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Like the opportunity this, was wasted. Is the what opportunity? Yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, the character is a good character. It's just you don't give her personality. You give her nothing to do in the first issue, and you're resting on your laurels that this is a four part series. So maybe you can just action pack it all in the, the two and three and four. But again, you gotta hook people with this because there are people who haven't read Harbinger, and they're like, okay. I want to get into this, and right. they don't do it, and it's just it's a wasted opportunity. You can't write this for people that love Harbinger, and that's it. Yeah, and that's the case. Yeah, and, that, and that's the case of that. But that's going to do it for what we're reading this week. Come up next is this week in Geektainment, and we're going to be heading out to Hollywood. Our review of Agent Carter come up next right here on Down Nerdy. Hi, this is Wynn Everett, and I'm from Marvel's Agent Carter, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Well, much to Nick's delight, we are headed to Los Angeles this week in Geek Tamit because we talked to Win Everett from Agent Carter last week. This week, Nick, we're actually going to break down the season two premiere and definitely a different vibe this year. Well, let's just say this. I think with the writing, first of all, the jokes landed. And that was yes. important. And yes. that was important because Marvel's known for wanting to put a lot of witty and jokey humor in there. And sometimes the stuff doesn't land, but... The jokes land. I got to tell you right now, there's a lot of, of chemistry as well that works really well. But I got to tell you, the chemistry between Haley Atwell and James Darcy is amazing. It's like, palpable, it's, man. Oh, my God. It's just unbelievable. You know, like you said, you just sometimes you get these two characters that just click in a movie or in a show. They just click together. I, I want to see more of them together and then throw James Darcy's wife into the mix as well. And how awesome was she? Yeah, man. She was so awesome. <laughs> oh, he got you with the uh, that one like maneuver, that wrestling maneuver. <laughs> and he's Oh, he's much better when he's lying on his back. I'm <laughs> like, oh my God. Are you ready to take on the day or would you like to go another round with my husband? <laughs> <laughs> and that's just so awesome, man. Like she's, you know, <laughs> it's really, really fun. And I mean, let's just get down to it. So of course, you know, she's it starts off where she's at New York and I'm, and I'm glad that they pretty much, you know, remember Dottie escaped at the end of season one. Right. Well, they catch her, interrogate her. However, again, Souza is now the head guy over at the the Los Angeles branch. Which is awesome. Which is awesome. So he's like, I need help because there's a Lady of the Lake case. And unknowing to him, they send Peggy Carter. And again, at first they had the whole, you know, she had feelings for him kind of a thing. But he's been pushing her away. We find out why. Yeah, uh, and it's because he's got you know a, a girlfriend. He's very much interested in stuff like that. I'm glad they kind of put the kibosh on that as well. And but the the it was just me or did like the scenes where they're just discussing the cases just feel a lot more deeper? I think it was. I think they went into better detail, and I think that they kind of. You almost trusted the intelligence of the audience at this point. I'm not saying they didn't really do that last time, but I think even more so this time they learned, okay, people are going to know what we're talking about or at least be able to follow along. So we won't, you know, kind of dumb it down a little bit. We'll just dive in there and let it speak for itself because you had all that uh, technology from Isodyne that comes in mm -hmm. and uh, Reggie Austin's character in the show, who's now the kind of the new love interest for Peggy and everything. So... They they made it more like you said. Not only was the, did the humor nail, but the intelligence level 
raised in the show, and they weren't afraid to do well, that. That's I like just, that. Well, that's just saying. I want. I do want to bring up Reggie Austin's character of Jason Wilkes, for example. And remember, this is 1947, United States we're living in 1947, Los Angeles. And I'm and throughout the first couple episodes, up until about midway through the second episode, I'm like, okay. When are they going to discuss and go over the whole racial aspect? Oh, and they did, and they did, <laughs> and and uh, you know, one was uh, at first when you first get introduced to him, it's a very subtle thing you have to look for in the background, uh, and then later on, there's a scene where you're like, okay, they finally you know answered it because it was it was kind of like, well, wait a minute, this is 1947 Los Angeles, there's a lot of racial tension. Yep. And I don't get any of that, like you know. But then they did it perfectly. Like, and you know what they? You know what I love that they did about it too, though. Huh. They, they, if it was awkward, as it should be, but then they made a humorous situation. Yeah, it, which you don't see that in movies or in TV shows when it comes to stuff like this. I like that they kind of turned it on its ear and made a humorous situation out of it because yeah, it was really super awkward. And then they turned it around. I'm like, that was such a smart way to bring this about. Exactly, and I mean they had such just great chemistry between him and, and Haley Atwell, and, and it was just it was really really great. And you know, and I'm not gonna lie, something we don't really see a lot of, especially in movies set in the 1940s, is interracial dating. It is yeah. of interest, and I'm glad they did that because I'm like, oh, that puts an interesting take on a potential. Uh, you know, of course, gonna go with the whole love story, interesting, but I mean, going further because of the time and everything else, and. It it's, could be, you know, who knows, maybe her involvement with him could be like at one point say, you know, your involvement with him on a certain level is kind of a detriment to yourself in the case. Right. It's health. another battle that she has exactly. to overcome. First, she's a woman in a position of power. And now she's going to possibly be dating an African-American man in a time like this. I mean, there's there's a lot of obstacles that it looks like Peggy might have to overcome. So I actually, like you said, I think that's that's kind of cool that they're adding layer upon layer to more to her character in that regard. But let's get to uh, Ice Dime real quick. Of course, we want to get to Win Everett, who plays, of course, Madam Mask, who we had on the show last week. And dude, very diabolical. <laughs> I mean, they they weren't necessarily the power couple because she's the one pulling the strings, oh, man. Yeah. Whether this guy wants to think so or not, she's the one pulling the strings. And the thing is, is that when when you get her with that scene on set. And they're and they're belittling her, and it's like it's like subtly nudging a crocodile. Yeah, you know, waiting for him to snap and break whatever you're holding in half, and that's what's kind of happening with Whitney Frost in this show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was it was pretty interesting, especially the scene, of course, with her and Jason Wilkes uh, towards the end of the, the second episode, and you're yeah. like, okay, we're seeing just you know. The first part of when we first see her, really more mind games and kind of stuff like that, a little mm-hmm. bit of character building. But then you really see her kind of turn face uh, towards the end of the second episode. And there's something that happened, you told me about, you actually warned me about that. She said there's something that happens at the end of the first episode. <laughs> and don't flip out, you're going to get pissed off. I'm not going to lie, I wasn't really pissed. <laughs> well, I, I thought I would warn you just in case. Because at first, when I when you see the, uh, the zero matter yeah. in the containment, I'm like, that better not be the obelisk that better not they better not do what i think they're gonna do don't eat no 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 and then as it went on i'm like oh no it's totally different but they, made it, <laughs> they made it look like it though you know yeah. i'm like you gotta be kidding me so we're gonna be dealing with this in agent carter too now can't we get an original story and we are so i was very happy that that didn't end up being the case but for a second there i'm like you've Got to be kidding me. Well, I mean, even, I'm going to play not only devil's advocate, but I'm going to look at it from the other side. I'm like, well, remember, this is tied pretty much to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in a sense. So it would make sense if it was like an obelisk thing because it's like, you know, it, it would kind of, you know what I'm saying? It would connect the two worlds in a sense. It would be something that connects them well. Um, so I, it wouldn't really bother me. But, you know, again, it's going to be interesting to see how this happens and how it moves forward and, you know, I, I that was a really good pilot. Like it, it oh, was yeah. thoroughly enjoyable. You know, it was a two-hour event, and I, again, and and again, the, the most important thing was the writing worked. The comedy elements worked, and my love for flamingos also went up as well. I'm telling you, the the potential for a Bernard spinoff here off the charts, just off the charts possibilities here. The flamingo. I'm just saying, animated series or something. Do it. Make it happen. No, I, I can see it more as like a a coming to ABC this spring. He's a bird. He's a butler. 
Beak and the Brit coming this summer. <laughs> With Rob Schneider. With Rob, Rob <laughs> Schneider is a flamingo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's... And the inappropriate car... Yeah. From oh Howard God. Stark. I, I knew Tony Stark was a sexual deviant. I knew Howard Stark was a womanizer, but goddamn. Like, when, he, when, when you have a tracker put in your yeah. car for when, for, for when you've, as Jarvis put, found companionship. Uh, <laughs> when he puts, when she puts that seat back and says, oh is that God, a mirror? Yeah, my God, <laughs> <that> a mirror? <laughs> I lost it. <laughs> I totally lost it. That was just great. Uh, but, I mean, there's so many elements to this show now, and I, I like what they're doing with Suze's character. I like that, that Dottie's still around, and we've still got that element going on in New York. Now we've got the FBI coming in, and maybe they might be another thorn in Peggy's side going forward. There's just so much going on, but it doesn't feel like too much. I feel like you never really know where the, where the uh, fists are going to come flying next, so to speak. Oh, exactly. And with that, Jane, it's time to discuss, as we always do, give our ratings for this. And also, because it is the first episode of the second season, what do you look forward to going forward? Okay, I'm going to give this eight pink flamingos out of ten. Nice. And what I look look forward to going forward is finding out, you know, more about Reggie's story. More about his character story because there's a little bit of something hanging on at the end there. We don't really know how that's going to play out. And, of course, the transformation from Whitney Frost into Madame Mask. I think we saw the beginnings of that at the end of the second episode of the two-hour premiere. I want to see more of how that transformation comes about because I think that's going to be a really interesting element going forward. I'm going to give this eight four-axled sex chambers out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the official registered name by the way yeah <laughs> it's the name on the registration <laughs> yeah um you know it, it's uh it's one of those things man where you know i'm looking forward to again the, the development of how she turns into mad mask and everything else but really i'm really interested and this is a rarity for this type of show because only you're like oh i want to see what happens in terms of action I'm really involved and interested in the whole romantic angle between Peggy and uh, and, and Jason. Wow, that's that's different for you. Well, because again, because of the times it is it's in, and because the hurdles it's going to possibly present going forward. Again, we don't know what happened to him at the end of the second episode, really. And so here's the thing: going forward, what's going to be you know shown, and and, and how is it going to affect mm-hmm. her? Her ability to think on the case is she gonna be razzled because of this? is this gonna be another Steve Rogers? Remember, she had a terrific ter- thing with Steve Rogers, so could this be a thing where she's like, "Oh my God, the men I try to get involved with end up like dying or vanishing on me"? Like, not only that, but I mean, did you notice the little parallel there where they were dancing in that yeah. club? And I'm sure that kind of brought back some memories there as well. So maybe there were parallels there. I don't know, but you're right. The in-depth part of their relationship, I think, is gonna be key going forward. Exactly, and that's going to do it for this week in Geek Tam. But come up next, and we have some nerd news for you. And guess what? It involves a quacked crusader making his way back to television. Find out next, right here on Down Nerdy. Hey guys, this is Dexter Darden from the Maze Runner series, and you're listening to Down and Nerdy Podcast. Well, it's that time, nerds. We go around the internet and see what's trending, because it's time for what, James? Nerd News! And our first story, well, speaking of Agent Carter and Steve Rogers, um, first story deals with, well, let's just say it, Steve Rogers is going to be returning as Captain America in the comics coming this summer. Yeah, and actually, contrary to what you might be thinking, now there's going to be Two Captain Americas, because they're going to bring in what they're going to they're going to have a new series from Marvel called Ca- Captain America, Steve Rogers. And actually, Marvel reviewed the cover art and a little bit of a different shield this time. So I guess you're going to have Falcon's going to keep, Sam Wilson's going to keep the original shield, and Steve Rogers slash Captain America is going to have a brand new shield. So I got to tell you, Nick, this was one of the least surprising stories for me in a long time, because we said... Pretty much from the beginning, when we were talking about the all-new, all-different, when we found out about Sam Wilson coming in as Captain America, we knew it was only going to be a matter of time before Steve Rogers was brought back by Marvel in some capacity as Captain America. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Of course, you have Civil War coming out May 6th. 
So why not bring him exactly. back? Exactly. And I'm not going to lie. We have the cover we're looking at right now. I'm not really digging the shield nor the suit, really. Not digging the shield either. Uh, the suit, eh. I mean, I don't hate it, but it's just not. I mean, I guess they're trying to make it a little bit like the suit from the cinematic universe, a little bit with the look and the feel of it, but I, I think it falls short of that a little bit. I don't know. I mean, I get that, you know, you can't just take back everything from Sam Wilson, I guess. Right. At least not right away. And I'm not sure that, you know, um, metaphorically that would send the right message either. No. But, uh, so I guess you can't really do that. But I don't know. It just seemed like, is it okay to admit that Sam Wilson wasn't a strong enough character in the comics to carry the Captain America shield on his own? Well, I don't know about that. I mean, again, I don't know the numbers of sales numbers on the top of my head. I just know that whenever I go into certain places, like stores or whatever like that, and it's not really – I don't think it's a bestseller. I'm not sure. I don't know the numbers, but just uh, from what – Yeah, it's it's not it's not a big seller from what I've been told. Yeah. I'll leave I'll leave my sources out of that, but you – know. Yeah, I'm just going by like when I go into certain shops and everything oh, yeah, else, yeah. and I see a lot of it laying around, and I'm like, man, this really – you know, it's not selling a lot, at least, you know, and stuff like that. And I think it's because, again, I think it's the fact that we're, we've talked about this prior in, in previous shows about how the movie universe is kind of dictating a little bit what the comics do. And so it's like, well, wait, we have Steve Rogers coming out again, you know, in the movies. We need him back in the comics. And I think this is, again, I think it's to get people's, you know, reaction to come back. And also, it's said that they're not going to really reveal how he gets his uh, ability to come back as Captain America full strength because it's going to be a part of like a crossover event, which I'm like, right. oh, fun, another crossover event. Fantastic. Well, you know, that's need. kind of what's been happening in Marvel Comics, I think. Yeah. But, um, no, I, I mean, it's a move that was expected. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, yeah. You know, I'm just, like I said, I'm just not digging the shield and I'm not really digging the suit, really. Um, but, again, we'll see how it goes. I'll probably get the first issue just to read it and see. I mean, I uh, want to know how it happens, obviously. So, yeah, I think I think that you're right in that regard. That's why I would get the first issue as well because I want to see what is what it is that kind of brings him back into the fold and makes him Captain America again, I guess. But I don't know. I, I mean, are the interactions between he and Sam Wilson going to be awkward in the beginning of the series? And if they do, I'm not sure that's a route I would like to see them go. Um, I mean, I guess you can't ignore it entirely, but I, I don't know, man. I just I wasn't surprised by this at all, and uh, I actually wouldn't be surprised if at some point Sam Wilson's just not Captain America anymore. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all. It, 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 again, we'll see how it goes when it, the summer comes. But speaking of summer, something that was supposed to be out in May, May twenty sixth, actually of twenty seventeen, actually got pushed back to Christmas time, December fifteenth, twenty seventeen. Of course, talking about Star Wars Episode Eight. Yeah, and I mean, should this surprise anyone either? Because, I mean, you had Episode 7, Force Awakens, which was also released in December. Why not just keep that continuity and just release these movies in December? So now it's going to be December 15th, 2017, like you said. And I would do the same thing with Episode 9 if you're going to do that. Just let the main movies be released in December. I mean, look at how much money. The Force Awakens made in that stretch, and with and let's 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 admit it, with little competition, and when you have less competition in December, you're gonna make more money. You're gonna be number one longer, and you're gonna dominate. I think this it'd be foolish to say this movie wouldn't have dominated in the summer, but not like it did from a December to almost February stretch. And here's something we gotta think about too: is that a lot of the big Marvel movies come out in the summertime, May, right. March area, kind of around there. They don't want to compete with each other. You know, Marvel doesn't want to compete with itself. So, okay, you know, we're going to take Disney's stuff and we're going to move it to, you know, the latter half of the year, which is very successful because, you know, Rogue One is coming out either November or December this year. Mm -hmm. And so it makes sense. And, of course, Pirate, the new Pirates movie got pushed into that spot of May 26th as well. And they said the reason why it got pushed back to December was because, they were honestly shocked at how, many, how much people loved the new characters. So, like, oh, we actually had to rewrite the script because people liked the new characters, so we might have had to maybe, you know, puff them up a little bit as well. I don't, you know, that's what I've been reading. That's what's been coming out. But I think it's just, you know, it's a marketing thing. It's a money thing. Yeah. They looked at it like, listen, we're Star Wars. Nobody's going to dare go against us. You know, 
Right. You know, Ellen Chipmunks, he can try to go against us, but he ain't going to win. Right. Right, you know, exactly. Yeah, you know, you, you're uh, not scared by Alvin and the chip. Unless you know, unless he's singing the Imperial March, you ain't giving a goddamn. You know, no, what I mean? and, and I mean, you're absolutely right. Why would you put out a Star Wars movie a few weeks before a Marvel movie, or even a few weeks after? Let those let those movies have their time to breathe and dominate, and then just bring it in when there's really nothing else going on. It's just smarter. It's the same reason that you release Deadpool in February. Yeah. I mean, let let him have a chance to dominate almost all the way up to the release of Batman versus Superman. That could happen. And then that movie will have its time because it's released in March and then pass the torch to Civil War and so on and so forth. You know what I think is interesting here is that everybody's playing nice. Yeah. Have you noticed that? We're yeah. like, let's all make our money. This is kind of what we want, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it spraces out our money, too, because let's face it, we're dropping yeah. cash to go yeah. see these movies, okay? So if you spread them out, you've got more people that are likely to go see all of them as opposed to going, ah, oh, Ant-Man's coming out in July? I don't know if I've got enough money to see that right now. You know what I mean? So space it out a little bit, give people a chance to recoup their paycheck and go see everything. Exactly. And speaking of releases i'm looking forward to 2018 i don't know about you james because disney pretty much announced hey guess who's coming back to tv everybody in 2018 on disney xd darkwing duck uh i've been waiting for this for so long i've actually got the darkwing duck uh dvd sets for jameson yeah i found them at target and i just bought them all because i'm like this is this is good and this is something that he needs to watch well now he's actually going to get the opportunity to watch a brand new darkwing duck and what i thought was interesting when we were reading this uh, this release is that they said they're going to give it a gritty look that this generations of kids loves that's pretty interesting. Because does that mean it might be like the '90s Darkwing Duck? I, I that's what I'm trying to figure out, and I'm thinking, okay, so animation style. I'm thinking probably along the lines of Rogue One that kind of runs on that same network. Would you agree with that, or you think they're going to go more Guardians of the Galaxy ish? Because it's Disney XD, so they've got yeah. a few different animation styles they could use. I think they might go. <sighs> I don't know, man. I I think they're gonna go. It's gritty. It's going to probably have the Guardians look to it, I would think. And I'm trying to see gritty to me is that's the most interesting part of this because yeah. w- what do you mean by gritty? Is it going to be a little more intense? It, well, because you think about back in the 90s, gritty, man, if you look at, honestly, if you look at Batman the Animated Series and Darkwing Duck back then, they kind of had the same uh, look in a sense. Yeah, and there were parallels there too as far as being a little bit more stepped towards the the teenage or even adult than your normal cartoon series would have been in that time and nowadays, you know, there's really almost no difference at all. It seems like especially on Disney XD and that's actually a good thing, I think. Let everybody be able to enjoy it because you know, as a dad, I want to be able to sit down with my son and watch a cartoon and you know, we can both enjoy it instead of sitting there going, "Oh man, this is this is rough, but he's over there like, Dad, this is great. Okay, son. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got a question for you. I'm ready for Darkwing Duck. Are you ready for Darkwing Duck? I'm ready for Darkwing Duck. Then let's get dangerous. Yes. Let's do that. <laughs> Darkwing Duck. Duck. <laughs> I can't wait, man. I fucking love Darkwing Duck. I'm going to – I got to do a cosplay at some point. <laughs> I'm going to get the beak. I'm going to get the whole outfit. You make your, you make your son lunch back. I'm gonna re. I'm gonna. I'm gonna repurpose my my Joker costume and make it <laughs> somehow Darkwing Duck ish. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'll figure out. I'll figure something out. But, James, but people don't know James is kind of you know if you know the whole money thing. You might end up saying, "Well, I can't afford a beak. I'm gonna take two Pringles and put it in my mouth and walk around." Yeah, that that might actually happen. I may, <laughs> I might attach more than two Pringles. So, you know, I kind of space it out a little bit. Make it a real open mouth concept. Maybe you will to use elect that orange electrical tape, wrap it around there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ideas, man. Hey, Ideas. cosplayers, help me out here. <laughs> hey, I mean, you can have your wife dress up as like Gosselin Mallard or something like that. Spray paint a trash bag and use that <laughs> as the cape. <laughs> I mean, hey, we're on a budget here. More saving, more doing, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's the power of Witham Depot. That's right. <laughs> well, speaking of, what was our last story? I got re- Ooh, I had to recoup myself. <laughs> so our last story, well, speaking of people who wear hats, 
you know, Darkwing Duck wears a hat. But another character on the DC side who wears a hat is, uh, well, Jonah Hex. And it's funny because we know that DC's Legends of Tomorrow, which we'll be, re- we'll be reviewing next week on the show, going to be doing some time traveling. And, well, how can you go to the Old West without including Jonah Hex? Which is exactly what they said when they made the release. And they've cast somebody that we know from Quantico and Starcross, Nick. Yeah, Jonathan uh, Shaich. I believe is how you say his last name. You're he's, better with the names than I am, so I just lobbed that over to you. <laughs> Not even going to try. Yeah, he's going to be playing Jonah Hex. I mean, yeah, he kind of looks the part, man. I mean, you know, I didn't see the Josh Brolin movie that came out like years ago. I don't know if you did. I don't even, honestly, I don't remember it that well. Yeah. So, I, I mean, mean I saw it, but... Well, I thought people weren't really clamoring that it was great. Yeah. But, I mean, if people don't know who Jonah Hex is, he's pretty much he's a character. He's a former Confederate soldier who pretty much went on to become a notorious bounty hunter at the end of the Civil War. And, of course, his face gets fucked up in the side. And, and you know, it's really... It's going to be interesting to see how they do it. Because, I mean, again, you can't... If you're DC, you can't do an Old West thing or visit the Old West without having Jonah Hex in there or, or somebody, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah. from that era. I mean, I love the character. I, I always have. I've loved the the character and the idea of it and the fact that DC could do something with this character. And I like that, you know, they found the opportunity to do this in DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Now, how they're going to play out, I don't know if this is going to be... I doubt it's going to be any kind of continuation thing where we see him for more than one episode. I think it'll be another one of those things where it's a one-episode deal and uh, maybe Vandal Savage gets involved because, of course, that's who they're chasing. Yeah, and, and plus, I'm reading right now, he's actually listed as a guest star with an option to recur, which will make his first appearance in the 11th episode of the show's first season. Which is interesting, because that means that, you know, going forward, remember, there was that rumor that we might see a totally different cast for Legends of Tomorrow in each season, or at least some elements of the cast being changed. So, is this an opportunity to possibly make him a main cast member in a, in a different season, or even bring in a John Constantine and team them to those two together? To me, that would be interesting dynamic. J- John Constantine and Jonah Hex. Yeah, <laughs> think about <laughs> that for a second. That would be pretty interesting. as all hell, man. I mean, that would be again. I'm. Yeah, it's gonna be really, really fun. I can't wait for it. You know, I really, really can't. It's gonna be. So fun. I think they picked the right guy. I like the way they're going with it. I like to say, hey, yeah, we're going to have Jonah Hex in here. You know, I like how they're using Legends as a platform to kind of uh, bring in the lesser known or, or maybe level two No, you could say characters. lesser known. That's fair. I think that's fair. I, <laughs> I would say that he is kind of lesser known, especially the general public. But I like the fact that dude's into it. Did you see the picture he posted yeah. on Twitter? He looks like uh, – he, he, he has a picture of him. He looks like um, – he has, I'm not going to lie, he looks like he has stroke face. Yeah, and it looks like he ate something really, really <laughs> sour, and his face yeah. got stuck that way. I mean, it's yeah, kind of, it's, <laughs> it's really crazy. Yeah. It's, but I mean, I like it when they're into it, though. I mean, I don't know if he's got a comic book background. Maybe we'll try and get him on the show and ask him about that, if he was into comic books at all. But he, I love it when they're into the character, man. Even if you're not sure anything about it, when you, when you just jump right in like that. And I think that... That's one thing that DC's done very well in all of their shows, that even if people don't have a background, they get the right people for the job. Well, James, that's going to do it for this week in Nerd News. But guess what? Come next, we have a great interview with the wonderful Leslie Ann Brandt from Fox's Lucifer. You won't want to miss it. She's coming next right here on Down Nerdy. Hey, guys, this is IDW senior staff writer and editor Tom Waltz, and you are listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Well, the first time that we found out Lucifer is going to be coming to Fox, we were very, very excited. Now we're even more excited because it's coming this Monday and we get to talk to Maze from Lucifer. Maze Akeen, of course. It's Leslie and Brent. Leslie, how are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. How are you? We are doing fantastic. So what has it been like so far? Of course, Lucifer premieres next Monday. So what has the preparation and just the excitement level been like for you getting ready for the show's uh, premiere? Um, we're all so excited. I mean, we've been filming since um, August. So it's, you know, six months of sort of, you know, head down in scripts and creating this little show of ours. And it's exciting. You know, the fans have been awesome, like, on social media. And they've really kind of, to an extent, too, you know, obviously um, their and their enthusiasm for the show has definitely, you know, helped us 
sure. Definitely. And actually, a lot of fans already know about Lucifer from the comics, but many fans, too, are actually going to be seeing these characters for the first time. So what kind of grabbed your attention about the story when you first heard it? Um, you know, I'm familiar with the comments of myself. Um, and I, when I got the audition and sort of, I thought, um, as I do uh, some research, um, the script itself, the pilot, was so funny, and, and that initially kind of grabbed my, my attention. But then I started sort of um, researching uh, magazine and, and, you know, plays in the show. I was really uh, excited. You know, she's very interesting character, lots of letters, top um, briefly royal, um, so rich, you know, you know the character Neil Woman and my curious sort of created and the way she was illustrated too was was just right up my alley and, and that's what's cool. I like the show that it has a lot of witty lines of humor with it because we actually got to see the pilot before the premiere, actually. And uh, what I love about your portrayal of Maze on the show is your ability to draw the audience in as someone who is playful and witty. But then you have those moments where you're like, at me as a, as a viewer, I'm like, oh, my God, that's right. She's from hell. So what does, oh, yeah. having, so what does having those moments say not only about the character herself, but the writing and direction on set as well? Well, I think, you know, the the mezzanine you know in the comic books is so colorful and so interesting, and we definitely try and pay homage to her, like, in the show. Um, when I initially kind of read her, the, the, the thing that really struck me was her loyalty, her fierce loyalty, she was, um, and, and, you know, being the kind of character that, um, one of the only characters really in the comic books that stands up to him, you know, um, and, you know, coming from how I think she follows him and we pick up obviously in a small portion of the comic book where he's from Earth and he's open blocks and, you know, I think she is sort of excited at the idea of maybe having a little bit of hell on Earth. It's hilarious to you know, her problem solving on Earth is being a human power. It's like, yeah, like, if I want to get down, take what I want, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. Hi, yeah. Hi, girl. You know, she's, like, unapologetic. She is inadvertently sort of forced to recall her own. And she will go to great lengths to protect them. She has lost them um, from things, you know, seen and unseen. And but the one thing that the waivers is her love and dedication and loyalty for her. I think it gets fixed it and they definitely, you know, these characters will go through ups and downs and she will have to explore what anyone else has done to her, how it's maybe changed her or changed her at all. And but it's exciting, you know, but at the same time there's a lot of humor in the comic books and a lot of humor in the in the show too, you know. Oh, definitely. As a matter of fact, there's kind of an old saying that at times we all have an angel and a devil on our shoulder. So would you say that Maisie Keen is kind of like the devil on the devil's shoulder? Totally. You'll see her do some crazy, some crazy shit to, to get her back to the old movie she loves. Nice. Nice. I love that. That's, that sounds so <laughs> yeah. fantastic and awesome. So, and I will say for fans, so there's been a lot of like things, you know, there's a lot of stuff on, on Twitter about not seeing her half face. You can see it in the show. You can see it. Oh, look at that. Yeah. We got a little nugget there. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Here's a question. I'm not sure if you've had this question asked before, but if you were to rule hell for a day, what would be your first order? For me, I would build a Starbucks that didn't sell anything pumpkin spice. I don't know. I think I would probably just, every driver in Los Angeles has ever just moved over into my lane without indicating and then cut me off. I, I, I'd have some fun with them at hell. <laughs> you know? oh, oh definitely i th I think i would just have i think for me i would just have like a hundred channels that always just showed the kardashians that's what i would do oh god oh god <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh that's terrible oh wow <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm shaking at even the thought. We're we're talking to Leslie Ann Brent from Fox's Lucifer, which is going to be premiering Monday, January the 25th, nine o'clock Eastern, of course, on Fox. Now I've got to ask you, Leslie Ann. There's not a whole lot of backstory on Mazakine, even in the comics. I mean, we know about her life after she yeah. meets Lucifer. Will we actually get to see more on her backstory during the series at any point? Um, not this season. You know, I think 
to explore the comic books and each character, particularly the other worldly characters like Aminadil and the Stone Maze, you know, you can't fit that into 13 episodes. I think that specifically what we focus on is, you know, is their relationship, but that is, like I said, we pick up on where we are, you know, and how. I see you, you, she talks about, like, where she's from, but it's not, doesn't go into depth about her mother and leading the Lilith army and, you know, any of that. I think the, the like I said, to tell, you know, to include um, the other worlds in the comic books, it's like the realms and the it's just so much. It's so much. So we specifically just focus on, on LA and luck and earth. And, and really the show is about the most unredeemable character like ever finding his humanity. I'm kind of questioning too, like, which I think the comic books are so smart. It's like, well, you know, did the devil really make you do that? Or did you just make a terrible choice? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Was it, self, was, it, yeah. Was, it, was it the devil or was it self-indulgence? And like, we were watching the pilot totally. and we we're just looking at each other. We're like, oh my God, he cares. Like, yeah. he actually has feelings. I, totally. Totally. Like, he has feelings. And it's like, it's like, don't blame her shit on me. Like, you just yeah. to yeah. you know, your wife or, you know, feel that, that, Right, exactly. You've done this to yourself, you were already thinking it anyway. Now speaking of which yeah, actually I think like No, go ahead, go ahead. Well I think like that that that, that kinda like, you know, as for today, I mean, I think we blame a lot, of, a lot of stuff on like you know other things and and some things we don't take responsibility for what's mm-hmm. happening today. So I think I would show very smartly, but not too seriously, sort of like point that out. Oh, I totally agree. As a matter of fact, we're talking about uh, Lucifer's powers to kind of draw people's thoughts and desires. Is that a power you'd actually want for yourself if you could take it? Uh, no, I really would probably want to fly. Yeah, there you go. That's always like everybody's. That's yeah. That's always like everybody's like number one answer. Like they want to fly. It's well, like, I guess when you live in LA, that's that your option. True. You know, I mean, come on. <laughs> that is true. I, I used to live in LA as well, Leslie. And so I mean, I know exactly what you're going through. <laughs> <laughs> but exactly. uh, traffic is killer. Oh, it's horrific. It's but bad. speaking of things on set, let's actually take things um, from in front of the camera. Let's go when the cameras are off. So, what has been your favorite moment? on set so far when the cameras weren't rolling with your fellow castmates? Oh, man. I'd probably say, like, the uh, Lynn Weissman, I was the pilot director, we all got together and went to karaoke. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) And, um, you know, we just, like, it was like, we genuinely, you know, we love each other, and uh, we've, we've grown really close as a cast, and we all have the filthiest, dirtiest sense of humor, so it's the the. I'm sure there's an amazing blooper reel that will be released at some point. Um, but I'd say, yeah, karaoke with those guys is super fun. Speaking of the cast, I mean, Tom Ellis just does such a fantastic job as Lucifer. So talk about the chemistry when you guys work together, and how just how great oh he is God. in the portrayal of the character. He's so he's so amazing. The thing about Tom is like you know. He, first of all, he's the most, like, welcoming, generous guy, you know, on set. And I think when you have that as, you know, the lead character on your show, it just trickles down. And and it's, it's a great thing, because I like to say that all of our gift cops feel so welcomed, and it's a really collaborative bit. Um, and it's a, it's a good responsibility for someone to, like, lead the show, and then, of course, to lead a show like Lucifer. You know, it's a very high concept, very um, anticipated show, and obviously there's a there's a comic book that is based off, so it's a, it's a big responsibility, but he is, like, such a gentleman, and so naughty at the same time, and his sense of humor is so he's <laughs> so perfect for the role, I mean, his one-liners are, like, dead on, our yeah. movies are hilarious, are hilarious, because they really, I think the writers have done such a great job of, like, finding the, like, voice and the point of view of that character, you know, and, um, and then Tom is, he's, he's perfect. I couldn't imagine anyone else doing this role. 
Well, I think it's like between his, his accent and then just like the chemistry he and you have also on screen. Like just things just work like with everybody on the cast. It like, really does. The pilot was just amazing. Yeah. And the show we know is gonna be amazing oh, as well. I'm so excited. And I mean I'm we we you guys love it. Oh, we love the hell. Literally. I'm not so trying to say there's a pun. Oh, uh, the puns are my job, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the ever living shit uh of this uh this uh pilot in the show uh so of course if people who are checking as well we're talking with lucifer's leslie and brand of course the show premieres monday january 25th at 9 p.m eastern on fox so leslie before we get you out of here where can people find you on social media you can find me at leslie and brand on both handles on twitter and instagram and you know what's so funny excuse the announcement i'm in ikea right now <laughs> <laughs> I'm, wondering the, I'm wondering the aisles talking about the devil. It's amazing. <laughs> People are giving you weird looks right um, now. Then you're going to be like home. Like, totally. They're like, what is You're going to be at home trying to put the thing together. Um, swearing. Well, sometimes it can be really, it can really be hell putting together a bookcase from there. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, I know. You know, I, I'm in, I'm in, let's see, no pun stuck in a vase right now. <laughs> ah, <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. Oh gosh! Well, we can, the one thing that one thing that we really loved was Lucifer, and I'll tell you what we Nick and I were talking about. It's the most smartly written pilot I think that we've watched at least all year long, if not for a while. And it premieres Monday, January the twenty fifth at nine o'clock Eastern on Fox. Guys, we're telling you right now: if you watch one pilot mid season, this has to be the one. Leslie Ann Brent from Fox's Lucifer. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate the support. And to everyone else who is going to tune in on Monday, you won't be disappointed, we promise. Well, James, I think with my whole Starbucks question, with my answer at least, I think I can hear the cries of a million pairs of yoga pants in hell right now. (laughs) Definitely. And and the tweens, the tweens revolt for sure. No question about it. Yeah. It was like, it was like no pumpkin spice at Starbucks. Like, well, it's hell. You have, treat but there's a consequence my god could you imagine if we combined our two answers <laughs> ah the fire's burning that would know, be awful right? but what but, wasn't awful was was leslie and branch she was, no, she was absolutely fantastic. amazing and i mean lucifer like i said like we i can't oh god i can't wait to review the show i can't wait to actually we're talk s- about the pilot we're sitting on our hands like oh we can't tell you but there's <laughs> There's stuff we need to tell you, kind of yeah. thing, you know? But, uh, I mean, no, seriously, the show is amazing. The writing is spectacular. Leslie is great in it. Tom Ellis is great. Everything is great about the show. And I just loved, you know, how, you know, she said, you know, like we're a family. The whole karaoke thing was fantastic. That's you great. know, um, the whole, and, and even like she had a little bit of a nugget there, too, in, during the interview as well. And, you know, we're not going to get a whole lot of her backstory this season, but hey. Next season's a possibility, you know. Geez. And we know we're getting a half face thing, which that I've not seen that anywhere. Yet. Yeah, I think that's this is a first that nobody else has had that. So that's a good piece of information that we're going to get throughout the season. But I mean, we're we're not overselling this, guys. Trust no, me. And it her is a- her first scene in the show, <laughs> your jaw's going to hit the floor. Okay. Yeah. yeah that- yeah, you don't expect that for first scene. Do not, do not do that thing where some people do with shows, where you know the show's coming on, so you go grab that last drink and walk in, you know, sit. Down. No, make sure you're seated for the beginning of this show. And I'm saying seated, sit down. You're gonna want to sit down. Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Let's just say your legs are gonna be shaking afterwards from oh, laughing yeah. at that scene. Oh yeah. But uh, no, I mean she was fun, man. I mean this whole. Show's fun. I mean, it's just, again, check it out. It's Lucifer on Fox, Monday, January 25th, 9 o'clock, 8 Central. It follows the X-Files, too. So, I mean, here's, the, you know, so you got a double dose of fun right there in your yep. Monday nights on Fox. And, of course, we want to extend a, a thank you to Fox as well for helping us set this up. And, I mean, they've been a big help. You know, thank you for sending us a screener for the pilot. It's, it's It was a great. It's a great show. And we can't sing its praises enough, you know. I mean, they've been doing such a huge press tour this week. So for, for us to be able to jump in there and be able to bring this information to you about Lucifer. I mean, we're, we're really excited. Trust me. 
you should be excited. And if you've got any of your nerd friends that are on the fence, like, ah, Lucifer, I don't know, smack them in the face and then tell them, sit down, you're watching the show because it's amazing. Because the power of Fox compels you. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> but but that's that doesn't do make it. it into a promo, I don't, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but that's gonna do it for this week's episode of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Again, thanks to Fox, thanks to thanks to everybody over at Lucifer, thanks to Leslie and Brant as well, Maze herself. Thank you for coming on and talk to us about Lucifer. Again, it premieres this coming Monday, January twenty fifth, nine eight central on Fox. So go see it. But again, hit us up on Facebook, Facebook.com slash down nerdy. We're at Twitter, down nerdy757. I'm at Merck with one arm, James. I'm at James Ace Witham. That's W-I-T-H-A-M. Hopefully you're already finding us online, too, downandnerdypodcast.com. So we, we got a ton of stuff up there. We've got comic book reviews up there. We do extra reviews on the site. What else Nick is reading? What else I'm reading? Uh, you know, just in addition to what we're already doing on the show. Plus, you can find out all about this week's show. Listen to it right there on the website. Read what's coming up, what trailers we're going to be reviewing, or what shows we're going to be reviewing. There's just a ton of stuff, and we're adding more all the time, downandnerdypodcast.com. Exactly. And with that, I leave you with this. As I do every week, nerds, prank safe comic book reading, always back and board your comics, and I'll see you in hell. <laughs>